Adyak. You're listening to Adyak. Adyak is the official podcast of the AAF Greater Lehigh Valley Ad Club. Our mission is to inspire creativity and enhance the professional development of the advertising and marketing communities where we live and work. I'm your host, Bill Childs, and I'll talk with artists, designers, writers, directors, photographers, along with those who work in a creative capacity. Our aim here is to serve as a creative resource to help you stay informed, entertained, and above all, inspired. But first, I want to thank ASR Media. We appreciate your support and collaboration. When you think about it, life is a collage of memories, relationships, emotions, conversations, and all the little moments cut from the experiences that make up your life. Nobody understands that better than today's guest on the podcast. Stephen Kroninger grew up outside of Allentown in the sleepy burb of Orfield, Pennsylvania, and spent his formative years studying commercial art at Lehigh County Votech. While there, he met a charismatic teacher who was instrumental in helping him understand that an art career was something young Stephen may want to consider. After college, he headed straight to New York City and has never looked back. Stephen is a provocative collage maker and illustrator whose work has appeared in major U.S. and international publications. And he is also the author-illustrator of three award-winning children's books. He's worked with 80s rap group Public Enemy and comedian Chris Rock, and his art has graced the cover of Time magazine on four separate occasions. Kroninger's illustrations have appeared in nearly every major newspaper and magazine in the United States, and in many publications worldwide. Kroninger's work was the subject of an exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, the only time the museum devoted a one-person show to an illustrator. His artwork can be found in the permanent collections of the Museum of Modern Art, the Library of Congress, and the National Portrait Gallery of the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C., among others. We act it up on many topics that include his unique creative process, how he allows for happy accidents in his work, and the only advice his father ever gave him that turned out to be life-changing. Here is my ad yak with the incredible Stephen Kroninger. Stephen Kroninger on the podcast today. Thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate this. Thanks for having me. How are you doing, by the way? How am I doing? I'm good. For a guy my age, I'm okay. Good, good. I um, I got to be totally honest here. I am very excited to talk to you um, because we share something that you you may know about. Um, we shared a teacher, um, different times, uh, a Mr. Bruce Silvernell at Lehigh County Votech. Um, I know that's where you went. You studied commercial art, right? Right. And I was there uh, in the from 1980 to 83. And I heard this story from a, a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Peter Gorniak. And he <laughs> told me, he told me that you said you credit Silvernell with saving your life. Yeah, that's true. So I need to hear yeah. more about this. Altering the, <laughs> altering my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so I went to Parkland High School and I was kind of an angry young man because I was terrible in math. So I was treated like I was stupid. Um at Parkland. And I was kind of, you know, I was, so I was very sarcastic and very antagonistic okay. and stuff, you know, that was kind of the reaction. Sure. So, um, so I got into uh, Bruce's class three to six at Votech. And um, 
Oh, the uh, night class when they had night classes there. Yeah, I didn't have to be to school, uh, regular school, Parkland till noon. Oh, so I, okay. I went to Parkland noon to uh, two thirty. Okay. Six for uh, Botech. So you know, I was my usual uh, nasty self, I guess. <laughs> I remember once him taking me out in the hall and you know reading me the riot act because I was um you know um acting up in class and stuff. So what happened was, um. I started, I guess I started to like him. <laughs> yeah. And part of it was that he was from Philadelphia, which I thought was very exotic at the time. Okay. And, um, and he carried a, a bag, you know, uh, uh, you know, like, like, well, like a purse, but it wasn't, okay. you know, and he was, and this was, you know, Schnecksville, Pennsylvania in the seventies, men didn't <laughs> carry bags. So I thought he was very interesting and he had, and um, so, so I used to draw all the time at home on these little cards. My father was a garbage man. And okay. He would bring these cards that were from the backs of shirts that were white. You know those. Oh big, yeah, you know? yes, I yeah. Oh, yeah. So he'd bring home piles of those, and I would just draw on those, draw on those, and draw on those. And one wow. day, um, I decided to bring those in and show uh, Mr. Silvernell, and um, and he flipped. <laughs> he thought they were great, and he went on and on. He would took me out of the hall again, and he mm -hmm. was just praising this work. And I remember there was one. It was like uh, it was for Vietnam, um, a young boy on crutches and stuff, a Vietnamese kid. Yeah. Nixon, Nixon's the one. I remember he really liked that one. OK, uh, right. And then it just kind of built from there. and We became fast friends. And he, um, I mean, I was headed towards, you know, dropping out or, you know, getting working on my father's garbage truck. But he uh, over the year, over the two years, I guess. Yeah. 11th and 12th grade. Um, he just steered me toward going to college and things and started uh, taking my works uh, more seriously and taking myself more seriously with my work. So, so, so he yeah, saw something. Was, he saw something in you. Yeah, and then we became like great, great friends. I mean, at one point, I had to go to the hospital, mm -hmm. and every night when I was in the hospital, he would come and have dinner with my parents to find out how I was doing. I mean, we became that close. Also, wow. because of the college thing, um, he uh, he went to Temple University, and he okay. thought uh, Tyler School of Art, which was. Right. In the mid '70s was the art school. I mean, I really don't know anything now if it is or not, but mm -hmm. then it was the art school, and he had me um, um, apply there. I never thought I would get in. He drove me from Allen uh, Orfield down to Philadelphia to go to the school. Okay, and I got into Temple, uh, into Tyler, mm -hmm. and, um, but my parents couldn't afford it, so I ended up going to Kutztown, which has a wonderful program, by the way. I mean. They're, 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 yeah, Kutztown does a the, um, tremendous, tremendous Sher job. Sheridan School of Art. Yeah, I yep. had great, great art teachers there. I wow. just wasn't cut out for um, the other class. I mean, I had no discipline, like, and, and you had to pass math. So I knew I was never going to pass math. So I knew, like, um, I had to get what I could out of Kutztown, but I knew I was never going to get a degree. So did you get a degree from Kutztown? No. Interesting. <laughs> and, okay. Wow. The funny thing is that years later, um, one of the one of the professors there put up my name. They wanted to give me an honorary degree. Mm -hmm. But the president of the college at the time looked at my uh, uh, transcript and he just went, "No," <laughs> which means they didn't understand what an honorary degree was. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all right. This is interesting because I have been Bruce Silvernell was was instrumental for me as well. I remember tenth grade. I was in his class at Lehigh County Votech, and he he would kind of come over to my desk when I would be kind of doing my thing. And he would say to me, what do you want to do next year? Like, what are you going to do? I said, I want to go to commercial art. I want commercial art. He's like, okay. He's like, well, I'll make sure you, I'll make sure you get a hundred. And I did, but he, he, him seeing something in me 
made me want to like do better. You know, I want to be better than, than just, just kind of, and I knew, I knew I wanted art as a part of my life. I just didn't know how it was going to manifest. Right. But Silvernell, and let's be honest here, it was an acquired taste. You know, he, he was, he, <laughs> he was. He, right. He didn't. He our taste. <laughs> yes, correct. When, when he liked you, he really liked you yeah, and he yeah. did not suffer fools. Like there were kids in this class that, you know, I, I it's funny. I, I teach now at LCTI and I'm in, I'm teaching the class we were both in. I'm teaching commercial art and it's, um, I love it. It's great. It's total full circle moment for me. But when I think back about Bruce and just how much um, I just liked the guy, I admired him. And I know a lot of other students did not, they were, they were not on his program or his wavelength. And I just thought, well, he wasn't the area. Yeah, he right. He was like a he fish. Wasn't the people that, when you came up in school, he wasn't the people you normally saw as teachers. Correct. And I love that. That's what right. I loved about him. You know, he just was, he was, I mean, I think he was quirky. He right. was quirky. He was different. He was fun. And I just was like, oh yeah, more of this, please. You know, but here's the crazy thing, Stephen. I can't find him anywhere. I have not been able to locate him. I want to find, I would wanted to find him and tell him like, thanks for giving me a career or, or, you know, the, for the career that I had, you put me on the path. I cannot find him. And I looked, I went on websites where you can kind of like put people's names in and then you get addresses back. I sent cards. They all came back. I asked the school. No one is able to find this guy. And I, I don't think he's deceased. I think he's out there somewhere. I would love to be, I know, I know you want to talk to him. I want to talk to him. And, and, and Peter Gorniak wants to talk to him. It'd be though. There are three students of his that went on and, and had a full career in in graphic design in art in what you did and it's just been so disappointing i can't find him i mean i'm short of like um starting to think like i like he's he's mia well i actually did get to talk to him about i don't know 25 30 years ago okay uh, and did get to thank him for that like um, oh that's cool good yeah well i sent you the print uh that he that he gave me yep mm -hmm. uh, i have it thank you we were corresponding back and forth but yeah then it just dropped off well, tell me how that, how did that go? How did that, did he, did he take it well? Was he appreciative of you reaching out or getting to talk to him or? Well, we were just writing back and forth, but yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, he's a teacher, so they, they like to hear that they're, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, cause you're a teacher. Well, I'm yeah. Talking. Well, it's one of the things you don't, you don't, you know, it's, it's funny. Kids aren't real good at giving feedback in the moment. <laughs> you know, teaching is one of those things where you're planting seeds uh, under, you know, for trees of which you will not sit under, you know, you will not, you just, you're right. Right. I'm the gardener, you know, I'm making sure they get watered. The, the, the ground is, is tilled properly and the soil is good. And then I move on, you know, they move on and, and they grow. And, and I hope on my, my hope is that I'm going to hear back on how they do. And, you know, as they succeed and move forward in their career. But so I, I just think that that's, um, when you have a teacher like that, that you really resonate with, that's, that's, a, that's magic, right? It can really be kind of a magical thing. I mean, and, it and you, the course of my life. What's up? It changed the course of my life. I was headed nowhere. You know, I was like, you know, just, you know. <laughs> really? Kind of, you I mean, I, I spent all my time basically back then uh, in the high school, I spent it by myself listening to music or reading or drawing. Mm -hmm. And there was no, like, he, you know, he was the encouragement. There wasn't any from anywhere else. Well, there was some in, from my high school art teacher in that um, he was like an academic painter and older. 
-hmm. And he kind of looked at me (laughs) with like a funny eye, but he did once give me, after seeing my sketchbook, he gave me a book of Peter Bruegel of um, uh, etchings, um, uh, the uh, seven deadly sins. Okay. Well, okay. And so, yeah. So that, so he let me take it home and I kept it for a while. And then I, I eventually bought a copy for myself, but I thought like, okay, you know, in his way, (laughs) he was, Mm -hmm. he he was encouraging me, but not in the way Bruce did. I remember once too, he always said, I remember once he said, he talked about my energy and he said, if you jumped out the window, you'd go straight up. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, we didn't have any, we didn't have any like, um, um, I don't know what you would call them, problem kids in our class with Bruce Silvernell. I don't okay. remember anybody being okay. a problem. Everybody was very enthusiastic. Really? Okay. Right. But this was earlier. This was 70, 74 and 75. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, I had him, I had him in 10th grade. And then what they did at that time was um, you would, what they would call you would specialize. So my 11th and 12th grade years were in commercial art with Gary Maurer and Rhonda Botel. Those oh, were my I remember Rhonda. Those were my two instructors when I, when I was in high school. I know there was a there was I think someone before Gary was Tom Waring perhaps. Oh no. Was it Tom Waring? Okay. But I had Bruce in 10th grade. So they had this program where you could move around the school like every 22 days to kind of get a little taste of what you could possibly want to do. So I had architecture, printing, commercial art, um, and then I did a little bit of the building trades with um, plumbing, uh, electrical, um, masonry, and uh, I forget some carpentry or something like that. And I remember my one uh, electrical teacher says to me one day, he says, hey, he says, uh, you're pretty good with this electrical stuff. Uh, what's 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 the deal with that? I said, well, my dad's an electrician. He's like, mm, OK. He's like, what do you want to do? I go, I'm going to go into commercial art. And I you would you would he his the color drained from his face he, he was mortified he was like commercial art why you're not <laughs> going to make any money in that and i i'm talking about this and it's over 35 years ago 39 years ago like i still remember him that felt so defeated defeating to me he just he just pulled the wind out of my sails you yeah, know he- <laughs> like teachers need to understand how powerful their words can be to somebody, you know, they're in their own worlds. You know what I mean? They're not in our world. Right. Where, so we're talking about Bruce was in our world. Right. Right. Hey, we just story. go ahead. Story about, um, cause I had Bruce the whole time and, mm. um, you mentioned Rhonda. I actually, uh, for my senior year, I got changed to her class in the afternoon, but Bruce, like, went to the uh, uh, office or whatever, and he had me come back to his three to six class. Wow. So I had him the whole way. He but definitely, anyway, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I, to get into, um, because I was so bad in math, you had to pass math at, at Parkland in order mm-hmm. to get into Votech. So I was in this summer school class and the teacher was amazing because he, he would give us tests out of the book. And then he would like, he would like yawn. He would stand up and yawn on the day we took the test. And he'd go like, I'm going to go down to, uh, to the lounge and uh, have a smoke for about a half an hour. And then I'll come back and you guys have finished the test. And he would leave the book with the answers. Because he knew, like, if we didn't go to Votech, <laughs> what were we going to do with our lives? You know, we were done. Right, right. So, so, so he would leave. And, we, and I remember, like, one kid would jump up and shout out the answers from the book. And we thought we were, like, pulling a fast one. And it wasn't until years later when I went, wait a minute. <laughs> 
that teacher, he, you know, he understood it much better than we did. Unbelievable. Wow. Yes. And then we all got into Votech, all the, all the students. I had a similar situation. Uh, my seventh grade uh, guidance counselor, and I was a good student. I had good grades. But my seventh grade guidance counselor, Mr. Nagy, uh, said to me, well, so what do you want to do? I said, I want to, I want to be an art. I, I'm an, I want to be an artist. I, I want to go to commercial art. I want to go to Lehigh County Votech. That's what it was called at the time. Now it's yeah. called Lehigh Career and Technical Institute, LCTI. And he, he would be looking at my grades. I, I got all A's and B's, right? And he says to me, I'll never forget. He says, oh, ho, ho, oh, no, hold on. They only take the best up there. Hmm. You, you, they only take the best. They only take the best. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I want to be the best. He's like, then you, you better get, you better continue to get good grades if you hope to get in there. And boy, did I take that advice. And like, I, I think I went from A's and B's oh. to all A's because I wanted in there. I knew that that's where my salvation was. And I, I got in and, and then I met Bruce and Bruce, Bruce lit that. Like if I had a little bit of a spark for art, he turned it into a flame. Right. Right. And then I was on my way and he was like, I'll make sure you get a hundred. And on my on my um, report card for for his class, 100. All the other all the others were like 90, 93, you know, 89 commercial art, 100. And then I got in and I asked my uh, teacher, Gary Maurer, I, I, I stayed in touch with him and I asked him, I said, what kind of student was I? And he said, "Ooh, you were very driven. You just like you had a purpose. You had a mission. You would do the projects. You would ask all these crazy questions. And, and you would just, you, you, I couldn't give you enough projects to get done. Like you just wanted to like, what's the next one? Give me the next one. Cause I just knew that, that I wanted this as a part of my life. I just didn't know how I was going to make it happen. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know like where that was, where it was going to go. We don't know what we're going to do when we're, and also look where we were living. It's like, you know, we mm. had, no idea. I grew up in Allentown. Yeah. Yeah. And I grew up in Orfield. I walk, you know, Parkland was like a, a walk away. Right, right. You know, it's, the high school was the junior high now. So I'm going to. It is funny that you said that you had to get top grades to get in. When mm -hmm. I went there, it was more, this was the last resort for like the kids who weren't like having the top grades. Right. No, I think he was just telling me that to make sure I got good grades. I don't think he had any, <laughs> I don't think he, knowing, you know, like your math I'm glad teacher. it worked for you. That wouldn't have worked for me. Yeah, see, maybe he, well, I mean, he was looking at my grades. He was my guidance counselor. He saw I was a good student. He just probably wanted to make sure it. I stayed as a good student. I don't remember having a guidance counselor. <laughs> yeah, we had him at Harrison Morton. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mr. Nagy. Harrison Morton? My... I never even heard of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the junior high school in Allentown. One of them, anyway. So I think it's safe to say that I think for both of us, the career we we have, it kind of chose us. We didn't really choose it. It chose, it, it chose yeah. us. Yeah. I mean, I've been drawing and, since I was a little kid. Yeah. I, same I here. have no memory of not drawing. Right. Really? And, uh, and you know, you were drawing on the short, the shirt cards. I was drawing on my grams um, when she would get um, stockings inside a pair of stockings where there was a little <laughs> white card insert. Yeah. And I, she would give that to me. And so, yeah, always coloring, always drawing. So we're working kids from the sticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do you then start to develop um, the style that you have now? Like where, where did that kind of, where did that Genesis start? Like, how did you start to, cause what do you call you, what you do? You call it drawing with scissors. I mean, yeah, I know you do, collage, but it is drawing. It's more like it, it's collage, but it's drawing, you know, yeah. it's, it's not yeah. like, I mean, I'm not wedded to photographs. Like I don't take pictures of 
like a, the moon and a picture of a dog and put the dog on top of the moon. That's not what I do. Correct. Right. So tell me about how this, how you developed that. Where did that, where did that all start from? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I just, what happened was the first collage I did was I was invited to be in a show. This is back in the eighties. Mm -hmm. It was an anti-nuclear, uh, bomb show at a, at a gallery okay. um, with really big, big names. And I had no name. I was just starting out. Okay. And I, I was doing a drawing for the show. Um, and I, and it just wasn't coming out. Right. Okay. So I, so I, so I started cutting up the source photographs and, um, you know, really into a collage and, um, it was really popular at the show and it kind of, you know, when things are popular and people you know <laughs> praise you, you kind of keep exploring it. But then, um, yeah, I, one thing I used to just, I used to just draw these characters, uh, um, you know, these collage characters and put them on my table and then I would wipe them off. And it was pretty much, I guess, my wife who was just like, no, you need to glue those down and set them around, you know? So that's what happened. That's how that started. Um, that I, you know, then I started getting to the New York Times and all these other papers and stuff. Yeah. And the yeah. Village Voice, actually, the, the Village Voice was the first one to publish one of my collages. Okay. They're very distinct. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And they're very cool. I mean, they're just fun. They're just fun to look at. They're very cool. And I was, um, you said something once really, really resonated with me. Um, I just told my art class uh, on Friday about it. Um, you had said that sometimes when you get offered a job, if you feel like you can't do it or that you're a little unsure, take right. the job, take it. Because one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to botch it and they'll never call you again. Or you succeed and now you have a client. Right. I love this. This is this is great. Can you That's talk absolutely to, true? Talk I mean, a bit more about I, that. I've always gone by that. I mean, I, there's work that I was asked to do an animated piece. I don't know how to do animated pieces, but I said yes, and it turned out really well. So you know, I, I got more animated pieces. Was that for the um? Was that for the Public Enemy video? That was Public Enemy, right? And I yeah. remember, the, I remember the director. I was. It was in my studio on, on top of a table. Um, they had the camera set up yep. and the director said to me, and he was shooting the, uh, the, the, the cells that I had made mm -hmm. and my uh, crew had made. Um, and I remember the director saying, is this going to work? And I said, yeah, of course I had no idea it's going to work, but it did work. And it worked really <laughs> I, well. I know you. it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You have it on your, I think there's a link to it on your website. You could watch the, the, the video, the public enemy video. I watched it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, my, wife, my wife is the brains behind the website. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. It's nice that she right. put, but yeah, so that was it, a lot of fun. Yeah. So so that was that that's the one that you're talking about where you weren't sure if you were going to be able to pull it off. Well, I did that. I did stuff for Chris Rock. I've done I've done I've done uh, oh I'll tell you another oh here's another one. Okay. Um I was called by Nickelodeon to do some pieces for um uh for songs, uh music for Aardvarks, it was called the, okay. the guy who did the songs. And um, the art director is telling me, uh, he said, you know what, I, I like that I saw in the I, I saw in the Times this piece you did where you had your collage characters, but in the background you had these pencil drawings. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, you like those? And he, I said, he said, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I can do those. Here's the thing. I didn't do that thing in the Times. <laughs> but I did them anyway, and they turned out really well. And I did a whole pile of them for Nickelodeon. But I have no idea who did those collage pieces with the drawings but if it looked like my collages i felt okay it's okay right right 
Right. It's funny. Neil Gaiman talks about this. He did a he did a uh, communication address uh, for a college in Philadelphia. I can't think of which one, but he talked about how early when he was starting out, he would tell right uh, companies or places that he wrote for magazines that, yes, I wrote for GQ. I wrote for Playboy. I wrote for Rolling Stone when he hadn't. <laughs> and they would give him the job because he was a good writer and he wrote. And yeah. then what he did was he made sure that he went back years later and wrote pieces for all those places that he said that he did. As, right. a, as right. kind right. of like a penance, right. To kind of like, okay, I am going to write for, for those magazines. Here you go. I wrote. So <laughs> true. I, I, listen, I love this. Artists got to break rules. You, you got to. Yeah, it's well, just, there are no rules. That's how I always looked at it. There's well, that too. Right. There, are no rules or the rules are meant to be broken that's the only picasso thing right picasso says learn the rules so you know how to break them properly yeah and ignore them so here's a question i want to I mean, ask another, you about oh wait go ahead another, what when i was just getting started there was a song by elvis costello called clown time is over mm-hmm. and it had a great line that that became part of a, a mantra with me which was like while everyone talks and talks somebody's watching where the others don't walk and it's like yeah and I always tell my kids, mm. if you see the crowd going in this direction, you go in that direction, <laughs> you know? Right. I like so that. When I was starting out, everybody was drawing. Everybody it was all pen and ink and stuff. And so, you know, collage was wide open. I mean, there were collages from the 70s, but not what I was doing, not drawing. Right, right. I think the big thing in my day was um, airbrush. Oh, yeah, in the 70s. Yeah. They even had airbrush, in, which I never could master at, at Botech. And Bruce yeah, I never class. got to use it. I never, I never got to use it. I, I, I wanted I to, but I, I don't remember. I just thought it too complicated. It just looked like, yeah, me too. Looked like algebra to me. <laughs> I was I like, I can't. Like, but there was one kid that was really good at it. <laughs> yeah, That's and then it just, and then it just, classic. you know, it ends up as a, as a filter in Photoshop, and now you can airbrush in Photoshop. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, no, what I wanted to ask you was, um, where was the connection or, or how did you get your head around going from Orfield to New York City? Like, how do you what 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 was that mindset? I mean, talk to me about that a little bit in terms of like, you know, being in Orfield and thinking, all right, I got to get to the city. And I know a little bit about the story where you you went and you moved into an apartment with someone that was already in the apartment because they were going to be leaving. Oh, yeah, right, right. right. So um, just talk to me a little bit about what your what you know what did your parents think about you wanting to go to new york or you know any of that kind of stuff my mother told my wife that i want talked about new york since i was six years old okay. which basically because of television or something or something i mean how would i know about new york and orfield mm-hmm. but um what happened was we started i started going to new york on school trips i think in high school and then in kutztown they had trips all the time on the bieber bus to yep. uh, new york city and I remember walking down the sidewalk and thinking, this is where I want to be. Mm. <laughs> you know, this was the mm. late 70s. Um, and then it was just an adventure. Like we just moved in and I didn't have an, my, trust me, you call it an apartment, but it was a compartment. It, it had, it, the bathroom was in the hall. We shared it with like seven other people. Wow. Um, there was no kitchen. We had like a hot plate and a toaster oven. Um, and there was a fireplace and a sink. That was all there was. And it was just a, a little box room. Um, so that's what we moved into. But I really wanted to be there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it didn't matter that that. And anyway, you didn't spend all your time in your compartment anyway. You know, you right. went out, hung out with people. And I mean, there was, the, the whole East Village art scene was flourishing then. There was like mm-hmm. you know, great bands. There was hip hop clubs. Um, it was all it was a very uh, lot of energy in the city at that time. And the great thing was 
the city was broke. So if you were in your 20s, it was your city. <laughs> like, you know, mm. everybody, it seemed like everybody, you know, there were some outliers, but everybody was in their 20s. So that was New York City then. So so how do you how do you get work? What was the what was the process to get work? What were you doing? Oh, you just you just um you just I mean back then <laughs> you you just called people up and they would see you. I remember calling the village voice um and the guy wasn't gonna see me and I just made some dumb joke and he laughed and he went, Okay, why don't you come in on Thursday? Mm. It was that simple. But I mean my, you know, I did jobs for the New York Rocker, which doesn't, you know, hasn't mm -hmm. existed for like 40 years. Sure. But, but I remember also, I, there was a, I, I was, there was a, there was a, a band called ESG. Okay. And I had their, I had their record. They had, a, they had a, a 12 inch single and um, they, they were on a small label called nine, nine records, which was really a store. So all I did was I, I wanted, I said, I, mean, I like to do a cover for these guys. So I went over to nine, nine records, which was a store. And I said to the clerk behind, you know, behind the counter, I said, you know, I would love to do a, a album cover for ESG. And they said, and he said, well, I'm the head of the, the label, you know, so oh, wow. said, I'll put you in touch with them. And if they like you and they like your work, you can do the cover. So I did do the cover. Uh, and, that, and that was so that, you know, you just had to be proactive. You just have to keep putting yourself out there and you get a lot of, of no, but, you know, eventually you get yeses and then you build on those yeses. Yeah. But the ESG thing, yeah, and the ESG cover, I always love, like, because I have a lot of illustrator friends, and they're like, you never work for free. And um, I did that cover for free, and now it's in the collection of the Museum of Modern Art. <laughs> so it's like, so I tell people, look, do stuff for free. What? Otherwise, nobody's going to see your work when you're, mm -hmm, when, you're mm -hmm. when you're starting out. So it's interesting. Um, back then, I would imagine you'd have to haul your work around, like in a portfolio. Yeah, 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 a portfolio. Right. Imagine the that. Imagine. Well, you took the schools, you know. You... Yeah. And then you open up and then somebody looks at for five seconds and decides, you know, whether or not they're going to use you. Right? Yeah. I mean, I had art directors that I eventually worked for. No, I didn't work for this art director. I don't want to say his name. because he's, he's a great guy, mm -hmm. but I don't want to say his name. Um, but he looked at my portfolio and he was turning the pages and he went, I don't like collage. I don't use collage, <laughs> but eventually he, he didn't use me in, 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 at the paper that he worked at, but he did publish me in books. Um, yeah. Okay. So how do you, um, you know, one of the things that i struggle with and even to this day, you know, rejection, right? So in those early it's days, of, it's just part I, of it. it okay. All, I think of it as like, you know, um, actors that audition or something. I mean, it's, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a kind of entertainment. So yeah. I mean, it's very competitive. So, sure. you know, people are going to beat you out and you're going to beat other people out for jobs and stuff. Um, that's just the way it is. It's part of the, it's part of it being rejected, but you yeah. just toughen up. You don't give up, you know, you right. just keep doing it. I think there's one uh, antidote talks about how um, in sales or which, you know, if you're selling yourself, it's sales um, for every uh, 10, uh, you know, calls that you have, nine will be a no and then there'll be one yes right, right. right and but it but that one yes could could lead to multiple other yeses you know it could it could lead down another road or, or other roads that by that that one yes right um right so yeah and, and so you, it, i had years of no's <laughs> you know yeah. years of no's with with spotty like getting stuff published here and there you know um and you probably had no's from people that ultimately became yeses absolutely yeah 
Talk to me about that MoMA uh, exhibit you did. Uh, it was a one person, your one, one yeah. person show you did. That's, that's really awesome. It's Talk to only, me about that. It's the only, uh, <laughs> it's the only show of an illustrator in the entire history of the, of the museum. Um, wow. There was over 70, over 72 pieces, I think. Um, yeah. What, what would you like to know how it came about? Just how or? it came about. Yeah. And how that, how that felt and what you, you know, your experience with it. Well, uh, how it came about was that, uh, I did a piece for the village. I did a piece for the Village Voice, and then there was a gallery on 83rd Street across from the Met um, that did a show called Masters of Collage. Mm. But I wasn't one of the masters. But they asked me to be in it, and they had like some contemporary people in the back. But it was all like Kurt Schwitters and Hannah Hoch, like all these giants of collage. Um, uh, Joseph Cornell, like those kind of people. Okay. So, um, um, and and <laughs> where my collage was was back where they cut the mats. <laughs> so like there was like mats and mat knives and stuff. And then our work was hanging on these on these walls. Uh, so uh, so a curator from MoMA went to that show to look at Joseph Cornell or whatever, or Kurt mm. Schwitter. And he went in the back and then I got a call asking me if I wanted to put a piece or if I would sell them a piece. No. Yeah. Sell them a piece for the collection. OK. And I said, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, so he came down to my studio. Actually, he came down to the studio the day of the funeral of a friend of mine. So I came from the funeral mm. to the, like whatever. And he, and he started putting my work out on the floor of my studio. And he went, I think we have a show here. Wow. <laughs> and that's, that's how it started. Wow. Well, was that that's a cool experience? I mean, I imagine that'd be a really oh, yeah, cool experience. Was, I mean, because it's completely unexpected. I never expected to have a show at the Museum of Modern Art. How long never. did it last? Was, although things were changing, I would like like Keith Haring and other people, things were changing in that people that did illustration were also fine art. So it was seen differently at that, you know, it started to be seen differently yeah. when there was crossover. Where before that, it was very cut and dried. Like if you did illustration, you are not invited in, <laughs> into the fine art world. You're not welcome. <laughs> but right, that, changed, right. that changed like in the 80s. I think with, you know, with the Holy's Village art scene and stuff and the kind of, they were doing a lot of cartoony stuff like the artists in the East Village and things. And I think that's, that's why it changed. So how much would you would say would you say timing played a role in kind of how you did it seems like you kind of kind of caught a wave? Yeah, it's completely timing. It's completely luck. It's completely accidental. I mean, I had the work mm -hmm. you know, to show right. them. Right. But yeah, it was completely like this this, you know, curator walked into this this gallery, went into the back and saw a collage of mine and liked it and wanted to know if you could buy it for the collection or <laughs> buy one for the collection. It's like that's complete luck. That's, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know I exactly. Part of that gallery, the, the the woman who ran the gallery called me to be part of her collage exhibit. Otherwise, I had no idea who she was. I had no idea what the gallery was. So this was the first time I was in this gallery. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. tell you, I think about a lot of that because it's it's almost like, you know, you can have all the talent in the world. Someone still has to see it and kind right. of champion it, right? So right. it's Everybody. like, how do you, how do you prepare for that? How do you, how do you make sure that those people, but I guess you just by, by what you're saying, by, you know, putting yourself out there, That's being it. willing to kind of, yeah, kind of do some stuff that might be, you know, maybe no charge and just to kind of get your work seen and right yeah. time, right place. It's the whole, like, don't say no to anything, you know, so that your work is out there and so that you're doing like a great body of work as well. Not, I don't mean great as in. Yeah work i mean a large body of work you know it's one of the things i find fascinating being a new teacher and, and working with these young artists um up-and-coming artists 
I have some, I have some really talented kids and you, you can, I can see it, you know, as being in the field for 40 years, I, I can see, I can kind of see their path. Like they, there, there is some talent here and they really struggle with compliments. This younger generation, like when I, when I give someone a compliment, I don't do it just because I'm your the teacher, right? I'm doing it because there's, I feel there's, I want to share my thought with you and it's authentic. It's coming from a pure place. And they, they're, they're, they don't know how to act like, and I'm thinking like, what is going on here? Right. Where they're just not comfortable with hearing someone resonate with their work. Um, you know what I think, I think that part of that is because I think about it for myself. Like when people tell me like, they really like my work or whatever um, it's because I live with it, you know? So it's, it's like, yeah. it's, you know, and I do it. So I don't think it's that special because it's just me doing it. So when somebody says they really like it, you're kind of like, Oh, okay. Thank you. But I, I mean, I'm is the, yeah. like not good about compliments. Right. right. Like <laughs> you know, you just mentioned a person, uh, Keith Herring, another Kutztown guy. Yeah. Did you know him? No, I met him uh, in Kutztown. Mm, and I okay. met him a few times in New York, but I didn't really, I, we weren't like close friends or anything. We knew each other, but we didn't, we weren't tight. Yeah. yeah. So how do you stay, how do you stay fresh? How do you stay current? How do you stay motivated? What, what, how do you stay inspired? Um, I don't know. You, it's just what you've been doing since you're a little kid. And it's really, um, to be able to do it now at this age is pretty, it's kind of amazing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I just like make, I just like making pictures, I guess, you know, yeah. And that's how I stay motivated. But sometimes so, you do have to talk yourself into it. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's, yeah, sure. The dedication. So what, yeah. what do you think would have happened to you had you not found art, what do you, I mean, what do you think, or out art found you? What do you, what, what do you think would have happened? I you ever think about that? I would, yeah, I'll probably take it over my dad's garbage route or something like that, you know? I mean, my father, <laughs> yeah. What yeah. was that piece of advice your father gave you? <laughs> well, oh yeah. My father said to me once, we're working on the garbage truck, because I used to work with him from age 15 to 22, you know, when I was home from school or on the weekends. And we're on the truck once and he turned to me the only piece of advice he ever gave me. He said, I don't care what you do with your life. Just don't do this shit. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's great advice. And he was right because the garbage truck was a fantastic motivator <laughs> because I knew that was my option because of my education, which was pretty, you know, pretty weak. Okay. I wasn't going to go to college. So I was going to be on the garbage truck. So it's like, it's either that or this it's like Woody Allen said years ago about how like if he didn't if he didn't make films he would be a cab driver you know in New York right the options aren't great you know right right wow so, so yeah I always thought they should have garbage truck 101 taught at art schools <laughs> so kids would you know work on the garbage truck and go like okay this is my option although most kids don't see that as their option they don't see like I'm going to have like a real blue collar job or you know working class that they think they're going to like I mean, they all think they're on to going on to great things. Mm -hmm. they as they, you know, they should. Yeah, as they should. Yeah. Um, that, so, that you should, but you know, there's a lot of work to it. It doesn't just, oh, I mean, yeah. like you said, they're very talented, but they have to understand, like, you really have to knuckle down and do the work. I'm trying to instill that in them to let them know uh, that it's, you know, it's, it's hard. I think, <laughs> I think, I think choosing a creative life is probably one of the hardest things you can do. Would yeah, you, is that a fair statement? Yeah, also because it's so competitive. Yeah, you it's know. so personal too, right? Who, spend, who wouldn't want to spend their whole life making art? You know, it beats any other, any, you know, you know, yeah. I know art meaning music or film. Yeah. I, I have this thing like that the jobs we most covet 
are the things that we love to do when we were kids, which are like singing and dancing and acting and making art and playing, you know, playing sports, not me, sports, but, you know, and those are the things people really like, you know, you talk to people all the time that wish like they were, they really wanted to pitch for the Yankees. They didn't want a job on Wall Street, <laughs> you know, but that was right. the Wall Street job and all that money is a consolation prize for not pitching for the Yankees. Correct. Right. And I think that's, yeah. I love that. Did your dad get to see your success? Yeah, they did. They came to the MoMA show. and Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. A friend of mine, because my father, you know, he was very uh, kept to himself, but a friend of mine said that he was talking to my father and that my father was very proud of me. <laughs> but, but he never told me that. But I could feel it, you know, that he was. I remember once there was a, a picnic uh, back in Orfield when I, when I was already living in New York, but I went back and my father was showing a picture that I had done for uh, the Progressive magazine. And he was showing it to all my relatives going like, they pay him to do this <laughs> but he was saying it with pride you know like mm -hmm. he's making fun of me and but and also thinking like you know how hard his life was you know 32 years working on a garbage truck that like they pay him to do this right right how was uh what about your what about your mom how was your mom in terms of like uh you know relating to your art and you wanting to be in art how did she how was my mother she always encouraged my art um mostly because like when she was young she was she used to sing and her parents had no interest in her singing um and they didn't encourage her so she would always encourage me she even got me art lessons mm. uh, at the whitehall mall okay uh, i would have art lessons um which was kind of interesting because the guy that i got art lessons from was very religious <laughs> in fact he saw my future because i said i draw really fast and still do okay um and um he thought I would be a great court. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, okay. Art. People that do the court uh, portraits yeah, yeah, or yeah. the court scenes. Okay. But, no, but I, was, I was like probably in seventh grade or eighth grade. I mean, it wasn't like, you know. Yeah. 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 Question. Do you have any of those early drawings you did on the back of those short oh. cards? No, I was just telling somebody just yesterday. I was telling somebody how my mother, she threw everything out. I don't have any real drawings from back then. The only, I have drawings from sixth grade because uh, a teacher I had in sixth grade saved some of my drawings. And um, his wife sent me Xeroxes of them like, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And those are the only drawings I have from them. But I always think uh, <laughs> there's a quote from John Lennon. Um, he lived with his Aunt Mimi. And he said he used to, he wrote all these poems when he was growing up. He said, but Aunt Mimi threw the bastard stuff out. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, that's what happened to me. Like my mother threw, you know, my mother was like very much into like, you know, you know, doing that kind of um, tornado cleaning. You know? mm. so when I was at school, everything would go get thrown out, including my Batman and Adams family cards. Every uh, my John F. Kennedy cards all got thrown out. Oh man, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking to hear. <laughs> well, I got over it, and she was a great she was a great woman. Otherwise, she was a great mother. That's awesome. So, what's your creative process? What how's your pro how do you work? What's your what's your process for working? You get a you get an assignment. What do you what do you how do you start? What do you do? Uh, I just start working. I just I read the article and I let it whir around uh, in my head and just start to work. I don't like to do sketches. Um, okay. Sometimes I can get away with that because I tell people like um, um, it's collage, so you make it up as you go along. Sure. <laughs> you know? you, if you work, in fact, it's, here's a funny story. I did I did a job. This was quite a while ago, but um, the art director insisted I do a sketch, so I did a sketch, and then they approved the sketch. I went back and made a collage from the sketch and uh, the art director got back to me and said that they didn't, they didn't think it worked. And I said, well, it's exactly the sketch. And the art director said, yeah, I think that's the problem. 
like, yeah, just let me do it. Just let me sit down and do it and send you the finished piece and not do the sketch. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So what and happened? Then, and then from then on, they, I didn't have to do sketches. <laughs> so what happened to that particular piece then? Did you do a... Did I you... did it over and did it just my own way. You're like, and then they, that, did they it like it then? Because, because collage is improvisational. You make it up as you go along. It's not like a lot of... You know, I have friends or, or painters and and um, and they draw and stuff and they'll do like an elaborate sketch, which when I look at them, I go like, that's a finish. <laughs> that's not a sketch. And then they'll take the sketch and then they'll turn it into a painting or something. But that's right. not how collages think. I mean, collage is a lot, you know, it's a it's a lot like, you know, jazz or something. I mean, you work to I work a lot to music, you know, you let and it just happens like you, I have no idea where it's going. And when I, when I start working, I just have a general like if I do an art, I have to do an article about a particular topic. I, I take as much information as I can on the topic and then do the piece, but I don't like, but a sketch seems to me, you know, not, it's not, it's anti-collage. Yeah. I like that, uh, that, uh, the, the comparison to jazz. Cause I think that, I think that that, that can apply to, um, you know, even marketing and branding. I think sometimes, you know, a company, they have their, they have their main core essence, but you know, you can kind of, as jazz can kind of veer off, it always comes back to that, to that core, you know, musical right, chord, right? right? Yeah. And you can kind of do that. I, I like that idea. I like that concept. I work music all the time, but all different kinds of music. Yeah, yeah. What's I mean, your favorite kind? Changed my direction as far as collage was just going to hip hop clubs and listening to like um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. And I remember that. Well, there was a record uh, which you probably know, uh, Grandmaster Flash, The Adventures of Grandmaster Flash on the Wheels of Steel, which mm -hmm. is just him, like you know, turntabling. Yeah. I used to work to that all the time. I still do. Once in a while, I'll put it on. Um, and I work to a lot of DJs and stuff. I mean, when I, I was going to say, the reason, I, no, uh, the reason I worked with Public Enemy was because I wanted to cut my images to Hank Shockley's music, who used mm -hmm. to chop up music before lawyers got involved <laughs> and he couldn't do it anymore. But yeah. Mm. I was going to say, what's to the best him, music way, to. I got to meet him when I worked with Public Enemy and I got to thank him. I also got to thank Grandmaster Flash, but I think I just confused him. <laughs> <laughs> what's the best music to collage to anything you know yeah. jazz is great um anything i mean i listened again having a garbage man for a father and because i was into music since about fourth grade my father used to bring home records from the trash so mm -hmm. i would listen to classical music rhythm and blues i would listen to rock um whatever he brought home like all these um you know garage rock which i didn't know was called garage rock at the time but um uh, you know, yeah, he just whatever they what country music. So that's what I worked to. I worked to, I, and I still listen to all that kind of music. And it depends on the piece. Like if it's, uh, yeah, if it's, I don't know. I, I don't, yeah, but I love hip, I love hip hop the most, I guess. The, okay. The, one, the, the turntabling because it's all chopped up and that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm picking up something here and I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and, and see if you, you agree here. Because okay. um, I'm, I'm a, I like to make connections with things. Okay, I like to see how things connect. Right, the, how the dots connect. I got to tell you, Stephen, um, I'm hearing a big influence, really, from from your dad. Okay, because you just told me he's bringing records home to you. You right. got to work with him in the truck to yeah. see what the alternative would be. He's telling you, I don't care whatever you do. Don't just don't do this shit. Do you see, do you see and feel this influence of like really how it kind of shaped you? And the other thing about him is that he was funny. 
<laughs> when I worked with him, he was always cracking jokes and whatever. Um, I remember he used to, his other big thing he used to tell me, uh, he would always quote the great 20th century philosopher Bugs Bunny, and he would always say to me, don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out alive. <laughs> that was his big, and that was basically his philosophy of life. He was, you know, he, you know, he was having a good time. Even but you the, see, but you see it though, right? You see the influence. It's there. It, well, it, I never, I never thought of it like that. You know, it's just one of those, you know, it's a natural thing. But yeah, he was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, was, and his whole attitude of like, you know, you just do what you do. You know, like don't. He never really worried about what other people thought or anything. But he, I mean, not in a bad way, in a in a in a fun way. And you know, he was proud of. You know, he was immensely proud of what you did. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah he was. That's that's cool. I remember once he was telling me with his tongue in cheek uh, after I was already having success in New York, he said, you know, you could have had the, the garbage business, <laughs> you know, I was like, yes, dad, I know. <laughs> I I just, I'm fascinated by this, by this, um, by this process of you kind of being in the truck and, and kind of almost seeing where your future could have been and you saying, nope, I want to do it. I'm going to take a different path. And it's, it's yeah, almost like. It was just like, that's all like, yeah, right. It's like, all I could do was make pictures. <laughs> that's all I could do. Um, so it was either that or the garbage truck. And I preferred making pictures. Give me and a quick. I, okay. I was going to say, give me a quick list of the magazines you've done illustrations for. I mean. Oh, wow. Um, just everything. I mean, Time, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, um, a lot of women's magazines, um, Esquire. Um, just, I mean, pretty much everything. I mean, every magazine you can think of. Did you much. do stuff for Entertainment Weekly? Oh, I did tons for them. I remember, <laughs> I got a, okay, this is interesting. I remember seeing those, your collages. I didn't know they were yours, but I always <laughs> was drawn to them. I just thought, who is doing right. this? This is so funky and cool and weird and odd. And just, yeah. I loved, I, like it was in, I was reading that magazine every week or whatever came out. Um, and there were always you, they had your stuff in there all the time, like yeah, it was about luck. Um, that was just a great time because the art directors, the art directors for the for the entertainment weekly came out of the voice, so oh, they, okay. they had a whole different stable of illustrators that they liked, and they were all like, um, you know, um, uh, like you just said, they were all doing kind of very different, weird, yeah. and 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 it was great because they just let them, them do it one time. Uh, an art director though from Entertainment Weekly, and he was saying this because he thought that I would disagree, but I actually agreed with the with the person who wrote the letter. But they they were lamenting that um, they used so much illustration. They said because we really want photos of our favorite stars. We don't want like caricatures. Oh. No, I, I love those caricatures. They're, I they're so fun. fun I mean, just, yeah. And there was a lot. I mean, there was Philip Burke. I don't know. You know Philip's work. He did stuff mm -mm. in Rolling Stone on the no. contents mm -mm. page. Oh, mm -mm. brilliant caricatures. There's, I mean. I probably would know the work to see it, but I might not know the name. You know, I, I don't associate the name. Yeah. It was ubiquitous. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people like that, just doing different things, like pushing it. Um, and am I, do I, am I to understand correctly, you had the cover of Time twice? Three times. Three times, the cover of Time. Yeah. That's pretty cool. See, now, those... I, I can't remember. I think three times. Wow. Yeah, I remember, I remember Peter uh, telling me that. He's like, yeah... And then that was that was when um, uh, shortly after that, when we became friends on Facebook and then okay. the and then we had the the silver now connection, which I'm not yeah. giving up. I'm still going to try to find them. And if I find them, I will, you know, I'll make sure yeah, that you know about, about it. I'd love to talk to him again. Yeah, She's I great. think it would. Uh.
I mean, he, he, he was like friends with my parents. That's how, that's how like that's how much he was into like. You yeah, know. you went a lot deeper than I realized with him. That's really cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to hang out at his apartment a lot. Um, I'm, yeah, even I even like- got a hold of his. I I was talking to his ex wife, and she had told me she said I have not heard from him in twenty five years. So yeah, well, it was funny. Um, she taught at Parkland. Okay, and I remember I remember her staring at me when I was in at lunch. Mm-hmm. I didn't know why she was staring at me, and then she came over. And she goes. You're Steven, you're Bruce Silvernos student. I go, yeah. He goes, oh, he goes on and on about you. <laughs> okay. Well, if you ever find him as well, you need to let me know because I I do want to I, I do want to thank him for yeah. for being a a positive influence. Um, you know, because listen, creative people, you know, I'm not going to tell you something you don't know. We're we we can tend to be misunderstood. Um, sometimes we're hard on ourselves, you know, hard on ourselves. We do what we do all the time. So we see it all the time. So we don't think it's anything special. Right. People outside of you to go like, no, you're doing something quite interesting. (laughs) It's like, okay. And with him, it was the drawings, like the endless drawings on the shirt backs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then, yeah. Then, um, yeah. And then I was, we were, and then, um, when I graduated from his class, there was a summer class. And he, I don't know if I did this for free, if it was paid, but I was his assistant for the summer class. Oh, wow. For other students coming in who were going to go on to Votech um, in the next semester after mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm. That was when I was at Kutztown, I guess. Okay. Or just before. So I can, I can tell that, uh, I can tell you're still having fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. no I reason to end, no reason to stop, right? People say, like, enjoy your day. And I always go like, well, I always enjoy my day. I get to spend it with me. <laughs> <laughs> I would think your biggest uh, your biggest adversary is wind. It's, that's true. But here's something about that. And cats. But oh, sometimes, cats. <laughs> sometimes I'm doing a piece and the wind would either blow what I'm doing or a cat, <laughs> one of my daughter's cats, will mm-hmm. jump up on the board. And then I'll look and I'll go like, you know, what that cat just did is more interesting than what I was doing. And I followed what the cat did or what the wind did. And they blow the pieces and you go like, yeah, you know, that's more interesting than what I was coming. I up call with. that divine inspiration. You got to like, yeah, know when that, go. when that there happens, you, go. you got to like, you got to recognize, you got to be able to recognize it. And I'm, I'm, and I know you do. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I well, just, that improvisation thing where it's like anything, no, right. whatever happens is good. It happens. Right. But you don't overthink it. And it's all it's all in there anyway, you know, so it's all in your head already. So it's going to yeah. be fun. Wow. That's so cool. So if people wanted to check out your stuff, what's your what's your website? It's uh, Stephen Kroniger dot net. OK, Just so like, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-R-O-N-I-N-G-E-R dot net. OK. Yeah. All right. Yeah. My wife set up the shop. It's just stuff. And is it true your wife works at Ogilvy? No, she was at YNR, but she's not at oh, YNR. Oh, YNR. Okay. Freelance. Yeah. Freelance. Okay. So I two creative people. I did do work for YNR. I actually won a gold medal from something I did for YNR. Really? Society of Illustrators. Yeah. Wow. Okay. There. <laughs> so where where do where do you see yourself in the next five years, ten years? Where oh, where are you I, gonna, just going to keep doing your thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, artists never retire for the most part. I mean, I always think of like you know. Uh, wasn't it Renoir who had the brushes like strapped to his arthritic hands and mm-hmm. also like worked when he was blind and Matisse was you know sick in a wheelchair and he was doing his cutouts yep. um, so I, in the most part I don't think artists retire so I don't think I'll, ret- I'll just make pictures what else can I do <laughs> you know right right 
Well, I just, I, I love your work. I love your work. It's fantastic. Oh, thanks. And I, I want other people to, uh, to, to kind of see it. So hopefully people listening to this will, will go look at your website and discover you. And, and, you know, obviously you, uh, you, you've had a quite the storied career, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Impressive. Well, I, hope, I hope I was interesting. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you are, and your work is, and, um, I'm glad that, uh, you're doing what you're doing and I'm, I appreciate you coming on Adyak and, and sharing some of your insights and your thoughts. Yeah, this really? was fun. Thanks for having, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, no, this song. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, be well, okay? And I, I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, oh, I enjoyed talking to you. All right. Take Very care, right my friend. Kids. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, Ad Yackers. Hope you enjoyed it. Because we have many more great conversations planned and guests lined up ready to yak it up. Ad Yak is sponsored and produced by ASR Media. Theme song was written and performed by Dan Ross. Adyak is the official podcast of the AAF Greater Lehigh Valley Ad Club. Stay hungry, stay humble. Till next time. This episode of Adyak is rated O for, oh man, that was good. <laughs>